everyone, welcome back to the podcast. We are joining together around week two of our mini-series, Code Red on Earth as it is. Last week, Ryan was able to bring us back together, reorient us uh, to the newest release of data around the ecological and environmental crisis in which we are in, um, some of which is particularly concerning. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to last week's podcast yet, I very much encourage you to do so partially just for the sake of understanding what context we are entering into this conversation in. Um, so as we continue along this path of understanding the reality in which we're in, we're also considering this question of what does it mean to maintain a spirituality in the midst of crisis? And we have been in the midst of a number of different crises that have been connected and yet difficult um, as we have just been trying to make our way often um, in the midst of the last couple years especially that has had such an impact not only in our own personal lives but also in the life of our community. So as we kind of dive in this week, um, I had debated back and forth of whether or not I would use the lectionary text this week in particular, the text coming from James. And moral of the story, didn't necessarily want to, but we are going to jump in and continue to seek and find truth even in some of the difficult passages that come to us from the biblical text. Um, The frame in which I want us to maybe think about and consider is what does rest look like in the midst of crisis? Um, What does it look like to take a radical step back to consider that, yes, um, taking action is important, and yes, considering our reality is absolutely essential to making any kind of headway, but at the same time, we are not ourselves without still maintaining a sense of rest in the meantime. Um, And so we'll continue to consider some of the questions that we came across last week and uh, continue to explore a little bit more this week. But let's jump into the text uh, coming to us from James 3, uh, verses 1 through 12. And I'll read it for us now. My brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers because we know that we teachers will be judged more strictly. We all make mistakes often. But those who don't make mistakes with their words have reached full maturity. Like a bridled horse, they can control themselves entirely. When we bridle horses and put bits in their mouth to lead them wherever we want, we can control their whole bodies. Consider ships. They are so large that strong winds are needed to drive them. But pilots direct their ships wherever they want with a little rudder. In the same way, even though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts wildly. Think about this. A small flame can set a whole forest on fire. The tongue is a small flame of fire, a world of evil at work in us. It contaminates our entire lives. Because of it, the circle of life is set on fire. The tongue itself is set on fire by the flames of hell. People can tame and already have tamed every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and fish. No one can tame the tongue, though. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. 
With it, we both bless the Lord and Father and curse human beings made in God's likeness. Blessing and curse come from the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, it just shouldn't be this way. Both fresh water and salt water don't come from the same spring, do they? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree produce olives? Can a grapevine produce figs? Of course not. And fresh water does not flow from a salt water spring either. The word of the Lord. Um, so as we step into considering this text in light of our discussion around the ecological crisis, uh, there are several things that I feel is absolutely necessary to point out um, in light of how we at Mission Hills enter into this conversation. Um, and the first of that is this language and these analogies that are used in this text can be not only misused, but misinterpreted um, in a very dangerous way. So we read through this text, uh, emphasis on certain forms of control, um, certain emphasis on shame, contamination, um, that we are uh, holding this kind of restless evil, deadly poison, um, and we have to make sure that we name these things before we take them as full truth um, or even partial truth, because we have seen how, especially in biblical texts, has been misused to not only control uh, the earth and the creatures that live on it, but people as well. Um, we also have to be careful in light of this text that we're not making this jump to centering the human experience as the top of the hierarchy. Last year, we placed a lot of emphasis on decentering the human experience, considering that we are in co-partnership with the earth, um, and that is not that this earth has served us for the sake of serving us, that it is not this whole idea of, well, the earth produces these resources just so that we can take them. Um, I think we have misused a number of the gifts that we have been granted um, or even just taken as our own uh, without even asking. And so we have to make sure that we're naming these aspects of the text before really kind of going anywhere else with it because we have to be able to set those things aside um, before we can start really having a good conversation about how this might connect to our own point of action in the time that we're in now. More or less, um, this text is attempting to focus uh, the demonstration of a genuine living faith. Um, so this is coming from the chapter of James, which, of course, James is considered to be the writer of this epistle and was also considered to be the half-brother of Jesus and also the brother of Jude. Um, and James was supposedly writing this around 45 AD. Um, they believe this partially because of the date in which Josephus um, names James' death occurring in 62 AD, and also the fact that uh, James doesn't reference the Jerusalem Council, which would have occurred in 49, um, suggesting that he wrote this sometime before that meeting. In this context, um, we can still kind of consider uh, 
this whole idea of setting on fire flames of hell, knowing that we as Mission Hills are coming into this text at a completely different point. Um, there are still a couple sentences in there that I'm like, yeah, I can kind of get with that. Um, understanding that we curse human beings that are made in God's likeness, how often that has been misused. Um, the fact that words do indeed have quite a bit of power and weight, even in our society now, and maybe even more so because they're stretched further distances through the object of media. Um, but again, we're here to deconstruct this a little bit and then also point us um, towards something that will be a radical response. Um, also, this is to be considered in its context of this is coming after the passage that basically states faith without works is dead. Um, these whole chapter breaks were not included by the author of James himself or herself. Who knows? Um, but all of that is to say these breaks in the conversation were not necessarily intended by the original author. It's just how we have received the text. So that means this text is also in conversation with what becomes before and after. Um, and so again, it's trying to point us in the direction of the power of self-control, this idea that, you know, our use of language, our use of conversation with one another is incredibly powerful. Um, and there's this idea that came from um, some older rabbis that spoke of the tongue as an arrow rather than a dagger or a sword because it could wound and kill from a great distance. It can wreak havoc and damage even when it's far away from its victim which I think we see even more so in the age of media, um, being able to remain even anonymous as we have seen folks being attacked uh, for one thing or another. And all this connects to this idea of disconnection versus connection or reconnection even. And that's not to set up a binary for the sake of a binary uh, because we, at Mission Hills also attempt to break those down as often as possible. Um, but I name this because I think in response to this text and in response to our ecological crisis, disconnection is what allows for the destruction. Whether that's disconnection from one another or from the earth, um, it is only by being out of relationship that we can even fathom we'd be able to create this must much destruction. And I also think that it's shame and guilt that are part of that disconnection and isolation. Um, you know, that's kind of the whole idea even behind cancel culture uh, that we see popping up all over media these days. Um, but the idea that's hard to contend with is that if we do something wrong, if we do the act of justice wrong, if we engage in um, the ecological crisis wrong, if we act outside of what we're supposed to do, then we receive this reaction and ultimately are more likely to shut down completely rather than attempt to make right or continue on the path of doing something that would maybe be more positive, um, both for the environment and in relationship. So 
in all of those things. Um, we have to be able to name um, and also just be aware of where in our lives those ideas of shame and guilt um, are causing a sense of disconnection. Um, and also sometimes just out of a physical disconnection. Um, I noticed even last week when I was back up in LA, being in San Diego, especially in the place that I'm in, where temperatures maybe don't even reach 85, um, and that's on a hot day, being back up in LA and really understanding, wow, the heat has obviously risen. It is uncomfortable. Um, but again, even for me, I've been in this little tiny town of oasis away from really being aware of the impact that it's had um, in our current day and context. Um, so as we look at this text, one, it's pushing back against um, kind of those things that I named earlier on, um, against the idea that humans control the earth um, or that the earth is built for us and all we have to do is put a bridle on it so we can control it, um, which also in turn pushes back against the ideas of colonialism and capitalism where wealth is placed above the um, full value of human life, of the earth's life. Um, that is the only way in which I can even see how corporations have gotten to the point that they have. Um, and the idea, too, is that it's not just this one singular crisis, but these are all different angles of the same. As we consider things that matter to this community, whether that is of anti-racism, LGBTQ inclusion, the ecological crisis, we are doing our best um, to kind of name that all of these are connected at a much deeper level sometimes than we realize. And so in our response, there's a few different things um, that I would hope to consider alongside you all. Um, the first is that we are part of a continuation. In this, we understand that we are not solely responsible for the birth of these issues, nor the complete solution. Um, it is as if we interpreted, or sorry, is if we inherited this small flame that is now turned into a forest fire, and we are doing our best with a bucket um, to be able to respond to this crisis. And we also know that it will go far beyond us as well. Um, we can hope that we as a community, um, both in Mission Hills and the community at large in our world, will come together and see uh, the true need, um, not only for our sake, but and not only for humanity's sake, but just for the sake of all living creatures who exist on this earth as well, um, that we will do our best. Um, but in this understanding that we are part of a continuation we are neither solely responsible uh, for the birth or the solution, that there will be some times in which we can step back and live more deeply into a response of rest. This rest is not to deny um, our current reality, to sweep it under the rug. Um, it is also not to deny action, but 
as cliche as it may be, uh, it's very difficult to pour out of an empty cup. Um, We become more ourselves when we can engage with rest. Uh, We become more reflective when we have that space to. Um, We're able to reorient to our values um, when we have a little bit more margin in our own lives. And so I think there's something so beautiful about connecting to Jesus's experience of rest, um, even in the face of crisis. And even though those crises may have been a little bit different than this mass scale of an environmental crisis that goes far beyond even our own time. Um, But still to be able to see that this has been reflected uh, in a way that would have been very countercultural, especially with the idea that Jesus was supposed to come and save from destruction. So I think part of this whole thing is trying to step back and allow ourselves the ability to realize that it's not always all all the time about action. Um, There are times for that. But again, it is not about an individual action as much as it is a collective. Um, We are more powerful when we take away the demand, um, especially in the world of things like fast fashion, um, which creates so much destruction. And yet, if we combine forces and truly we're boycotting some of these major corporations that are responsible for such a vast amount of the ecological crisis, we do have power in number, um, but at the same time, our culture has become so ingrained with this idea that we somehow need to have the next greatest technology, the next iPhone, the next fashion to stay relevant. Um, and I think it is in fear of losing, whether it's a part of ourselves or a part of our relevancy to the greater culture and American culture around us, um, you really have to consider that we have to connect back to our values um, to reflect it in our actions and in our words as much as possible. This raises the idea of access, um, that not everyone has the ability to just all of a sudden go vegan, um, you know, only get, you know, reusable uh stuff for their kitchens and stock their entire homes with more sustainable clothing, et cetera, et cetera. Um, We do have to consider the ways in which that has become a very privileged thing in and of itself. Um, And it's also part of the call out of those who do have the ability to do those things. Um, But there is a sense that we need compassion in addition to rest. Um, And that is to push against these ideas of shame and guilt and isolation. Um, In this text in and of itself, I think there are things in which we can use as call-outs and as things that are helpful in establishing like, hey, this is a reality that we have to consider. Um, That words do have a great deal of power. in addition to our actions as well, but at the same time, understanding where these are coming from, what the intent is, 
uh, are all important, especially as we hope to call others into the work of um, sustainability. And I think something that brings us back to this idea of connection um, is, is the image of Christ, that Christ having a human experience posits him finding connection with and among us. Um, and so Christ is able to do so, to experience the human suffering, to experience the blood, sweat, and tears of being part of this grand scheme in the earth that we are on, um, my hope is that we also continue to seek that with and for each other. Um, I think sometimes we get so busy, and partially that is all planned, um, that we would stay so busy, so overworked, that we remain disconnected, not only from each other, but also our reality that's going on around us. The 40-hour work week was designed in a time where it wasn't just, um, or it was just that, you know, one person of the household was responsible for the 40-hour work week while the other, quote-unquote, from a nuclear family would be the one taking care of household, taking care of children. Um, and now we live in a world where that looks completely different. And it just is not sustainable um, especially when we try to do our best to also um, become part of a movement that is working towards justice, that is working towards sustain sustainability. So we have to have compassion with ourselves in knowing the context in which we are attempting to serve from. Um, but all these things combined, we have to realize uh, just the humanity of being part of this continuation um, that it is absolutely essential to be connected, to rest, especially out in nature, to consider the earth um, in, in what it is, what we are actually fighting for, um, and also reestablishing our needs. Um, that helps us to make decisions that I think are more in line and more in tune with a spirituality and a value system that allows us to work towards what we actually care about. Um, and that's not to say, you know, that we aren't doing that throughout the rest of the year. But I think, especially in this time, it gives us an opportunity to slow down, to reflect. Um, and so the call, even this week, is to do just that, to create space. Um, and hopefully this podcast finds you a little bit before early Sunday morning. But to find space in nature where you can just notice where it is showing up in your body as you are outside, as you're in the sunlight, maybe. Um, what sensations are you coming across? Um, is it particularly sweltering hot? How does that connect to the ecological crisis? Um, give yourself a little bit more space to just be, um, to feel the embodied presence of the earth in your life, uh, to consider how and why we have gotten to the point that we're at, um, but especially to consider the power of community, of connection, um, and of rest in the midst of all of these things. Because it can be very easy to kind of fill that hole of 
guilt and the feeling of helplessness with action. I can completely connect with and understand uh, always wanting to have something to show for, um, especially in the midst of a crisis that at this point is so concerning that they have named it a code red for our entire community. Um, But I think we do also have to fight back against that in certain ways. Um, to fight back against that instinct um, because those things can lead us down a path that ultimately are not going to be good for ourselves or for the movement um, either. So I apologize for Cusco in the background, but I'm excited to uh, engage in this conversation with you to consider these questions of what does rest look like? What does spirituality look like? on earth as it is right now, um, without having to think of, well, this would be a great, you know, way in which we could maybe change, but where are we, um, in our current context? So hope that you can join us, uh, on Sunday morning. We're going to have an extra special guest for worship. Um, but as always, as we approach this week, may we love God, embrace beauty, and live life to the fullest.